0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Scalora Dance I am currently checking in from Siracusa in Italy, Syracuse for my American friends, and I am enjoying my summer. This summer so far has been a summer that I can remember. I'm finally back in Sicily in my home motherland after four years of not being here. I have not been here, so, so it's finally great to see all the family again. Now, in my previous interview, uh, with Claudia Kohler, which was released today, so if you haven't seen it, make sure to check out Claudia Kohler, German Commitment, new episode, I mentioned about my summer plans. Now, if you listen, you know that my summer plans consist of going to the beach, having fun, and enjoying my time, but it also mentions that speaking to some amazing top dancers. Now, today... I have a very special guest. Before I say the name, let me tell you a little bit about her and her decorated copier, uh, career. This dancer is 10 times world champion, okay? She holds 7 titles within the WDSF 10 dance style. She holds a standard world championship as well as two show dance world championship titles, as well as she is European championship. In uh, she holds a European championship title. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, I am talking about the one and only Miss Ashley Williamson. Hello, Ashley. How are you? Hey,
1: what an introduction.
0: How are you you today?
1: I'm very good. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, that's good. Now, listen, I have to start with my traditional question that I ask everyone. How's the weather?
1: (laughs) The weather here in Denmark, I'm based in Denmark, and the weather here in Denmark today is absolutely amazing. So we're going to All right. Denmark is known for being rainy even in the summer. So so having a good oh day that, that's really with sunshine and it's been really hot out. It's been about twenty-five degrees Celsius. So I uh, see. I we're see. happy. We're so happy. did you
0: did you take advantage of that? Because I definitely did today. I went to the beach.
1: Yes, as I was teaching, I was looking out the window a lot. So <laughs> it's a
2: typical One could just imagine. Answer,
0: right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> So Ashley, let's begin from the very beginning of your career. Okay, tell me where were you born? Were you born in Denmark? How did you begin dancing?
1: Whoa, I'm a, my let's say life story is a little bit exotic um, because mm-hmm. I was actually born in the U.S. I was born all right, in California. United States. Yes,
0: represent. I was bur-
1: born in Burbank, California, and my father is oh, I American. Love Burbank. Yeah.
0: We were there with my dance partner just a few days ago there was the hot ballroom dance Board challenge in los angeles and my oh, dance cool. partner and i wanted to go oh, to burbank cool.
1: fantastic <laughs> it was awesome yeah
0: tell me more tell well,
1: me yes i was born there and my father is american uh my mother is australian so i'm a very mm-hmm. mixed nationality from all over the planet I see. my mother moved to america actually for her studies to go to university And then ended up staying, meeting my father. And then they got married and they stayed in the U.S. And then I was born and a few of my siblings as well were born in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful. Um, I spent the first nine years of my life actually in the U.S. So, of course, the first six years, I don't really remember. You know, before from zero to six, you don't really remember. Sure, sure. But I still have some really good memories of, you know, grandparents and things like that. We uh, ended up moving to Idaho so oh. the potato country
0: what takes you to idaho from burbank california now you've got where los angeles my hollywood
1: grandparents that's where my grandparents were based and oh, see, um, my mom at that time in la the the crime was starting to really go up and different things like that and she wanted to make sure that that we were able to still ride our bikes around the block and do different things so we ended up moving <laughs> to a very small town called burley idaho which is about, it's, it's close to Twin Falls, probably about a half an hour from Twin Falls and maybe about an hour and a half, mm. two hours from Boise, Idaho.
0: I see, and, okay.
1: um, And then my mother's side of the family, her parents, so my grandparents on my mom's side, they got uh, very ill and she got really homesick and wanted to move home. So then we shipped the whole family, or my To parents, Australia. Whole family to Australia. <laughs> All right. And um I started let's say it's a my big jump. career. I started my dancing career in America when I was 6 years old. I started dancing when I was 6, but as we all start mm-hmm. dancing when we're 6, it's not serious. You dance once a week. You love dancing.
0: Right.
1: You can't uh, you know get enough of just it. Just enjoy. Um and then I I think I started competing. I won the preteen uh nationals. I think almost just before I left, um when I was okay. 9. Okay. Yeah, when I was nine, so I still mm-hmm. have those those trophies, those small little trophies.
0: <laughs> Cute.
1: And and there it was, um, it was American style, which they had, and then they mm-hmm. had Latin, and they had ballroom. So.
0: Did you dance the American style?
1: Yes, dance American style as well. Yes, 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 yes. Oh
0: my goodness! Next time in Denmark, we have to do American <laughs> Viennese. I love American smooth Viennese waltz. Yeah. love it you know I'm tempted I keep telling when I go to Molinella and do the lesson with Claudia and Benedetto I'm like guys let's do, do Viennese smooth <laughs> <laughs> but continue tell me
1: yeah no so then um I ended up moving to Australia and then of course I wanted to continue dancing so I found the the nearest dancing school in Australia and I continued my let's say career I guess you could call it at the age of 10 um in Australia and then got some partners and and did quite well in Australia as well. I, then all of a sudden got a, not all of a sudden, I think it's always been in me. I'm very competitive. Mm-hmm. So that suited me, absolutely fantastic. I love dancing and then I love competing. So it was always about trying to be better and getting sure. better in the training hall and trying not not so much getting better results, but of course this this thing that you wanna go off, you wanna go out and you wanna show off a bit. You know, you show a off a lot wanna... and you wanna go out and show off that you actually got better and things look better. and. You know and kind of, of course the, the progress yeah the progress so then i, I see, there I see. And, and then at the age of 16 in my very long careers from 6 to 16 10 year career um i was looking for a partner and in perth we were living in perth western australia um there were kind of no boys uh my age and my level and that had the ambition level that i wanted i just really wanted to go the all commitment the way. Mm-hmm. yeah and so I ended up starting with um, a boy actually from Sydney, which uh, oh. that's pretty much like living in California and then dancing with a partner in New York. If you take like the distance, it, it takes wow. five and a half pl- hours or something in a plane. So it, it was really and this was at the age of 16. So my parents were very, that's reluctant. Tough. yeah, they were very mm-hmm. reluctant, but they could feel. You know, sometimes I ask my mother as well. I'm like, how could you let me do that? Because we have students that are 16 and I think there's no way that I could send them to another country. They're not even close to being ready for that. Right. (laughs) And my parents always said, actually, we could always feel that you were made of something different. And we felt that if we stopped you at that time, then you would be mad at us for the rest of your life. And we probably regret it that we didn't allow you to. Like resentment. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they said, you know, we figured that it was better for you to try. And even if it didn't work, you always had a home to come back to. And, you know, and they were in contact with me all That's the right. time, of course, as well. Um, and then after four months actually dancing with him, um, his name was Daniel. Uh, we decided to go on Burn the Floor because I had um, very limited resources. My family, I, I don't want to say poor. We were never poor because I, I think being poor is a state of mind. But we uh, were... Mm-hmm. economically challenged
2: <laughs> let's sure. say it like
1: that we lived sure. from day to day and and we had we lived from lesson to lesson and as much as we possibly could do went into the dancing as well as as a lot mm-hmm. of families i think within uh, elite sports i wouldn't say it's only in the dancing because of course dancing is expensive but so is golf and so is tennis and so is oh, like you know, figure skating yes yeah, anything in in that so so then i ended up um looking for another partner he decided that uh, when we went on burn the floor together we the agreement was we were going to go on for four months and then we were going to take all that money and use it for our career when we. for got the back dancing there. and um mm-hmm. after that he decided that he wanted to stay on burn the floor it, it's like it was an, an amazing tour and everything i had a great time as well um I could feel towards the end of this this four month period, he wanted to practice less and less, and he wanted to go out partying in the evening and enjoying the sightseeing mm. and everything that you could do, and and I was just not there. I was only sixteen, and I was the whole reason I was on the burn floor was to make the money, and right? To go
0: back to the dancing. To
1: go back to the dancing, yeah. So we were just. I see. I see. Lives. And then, um, so then it ended up being that we kind of split our ways, very amicably. There was nothing. We weren't uh, upset with each other, and had a great partnership for for the. Yeah, I think it was about one year I ended up dancing with him. And then um, and then I went looking for partners. And I went looking mm-hmm. for partners all over America. I went to um, Gary McDonald in, he was in New York at that time. Oh, I see. I went mm-hmm. to, I actually had a tryout with Victor Fung um, at that time. Oh, nice. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. just, he was a lot older than I was. And I really loved ah. dance. And at that time, he had already chosen to specialize in standards. So standards standard. I was like, hmm. So, right. Yeah, I just tried with a, a lot of different boys, and that's where Bjorn, let's say, came onto the scene, which seems absolutely ridiculous now when I think about it, like a 16-year-old traveling around the In the world
0: USA try, or in Australia? Pardon,
1: right? I I was still, you know, I was in the U.S. because Burn the Floor was in the U.S. That was the last tour that we did. It was in Reno. I think we were there for about six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Oh, wow. And so at mm-hmm. the end of that, I decided, okay, then let me stay in the U.S. and I'll try and see if there's any anything here that would that would be suitable. Mm. And then I see, um, I see. Went to Blackpool and tried with a ton of partners and different things like that. And then ended up um, agreeing with Bjorn that I'd come to Denmark and we'd take a tryout. So, and then the rest is very his-
0: nice, very nice. <laughs> it's history. That's right. Yep. Well, we'll definitely discuss Bjorn in just a second. But quickly, you mentioned siblings. Let's quickly discuss your siblings um yep. now we know that you are the the eldest the the wisest let's say
2: <laughs> with <laughs> know, your younger wise, siblings the, the wisest, yes
0: the eldest with your younger siblings also in the same sport as you in the dance sport industry have you ever felt any responsibility towards them whether that's guidance wisdom advice tell me what are your thoughts here
1: um for sure um i would say when you, when you say responsibility in that way, of course, I also understand that, you know, sport is sport in the way that you can help as much as you want. You also learn that as you get older as well, but through being teachers and coaches and things like that. But it's it's the dancer themselves that actually has to do the work and has to want it and is the one doing mm-hmm. it on the, on the dance floor at the time. But for sure, I, I've been aware that, you know, we've made mistakes throughout our career and things like that and trying to um, give them advice so that they don't make the same mistakes. I think they've been very very lucky and privileged to be able to have a big sister that's kind of gone through the mud before mm-hmm. they had to. So at least I've cleared right. the past um, in that way. And of course we're, we're very different. We dance very different. All of us um, have kind of mm-hmm. different styles through it and then that's how it should be. Um, the individuality. Sorry? Well,
0: uh, Indiv- sort of individuality. Yeah, mm-hmm. for
1: sure. Um, but then I also have to say at the same time, I think we've all kind of chosen a little bit of the same path in the way that because we had tried so many things, uh, it was quite easy for us to at least recommend what we felt was best. And and luckily, along the way, they've also felt that the, the chemistry of that type of, let's say, technique mm-hmm. or a way of moving and different things like that has, right, has right. also. Well,
0: they all went 10 dance. So, yeah, everyone I, is in 10 dance. That's good. Yeah.
1: No, it's really great. But I think we we're also really lucky in our family that we we're actually all four years apart. It was not planned like that. From my oh, mother, yes? it kind of took her four years to recover before the next one.
2: <laughs> Rightly so. So.
1: <laughs> so I think we were lucky in the way of let's say dance sport because we were very rarely in the same category at the same time. So it was kind of always, I was in the next category and then the next one and the next one. So the the only time where we've kind of had had this family adult, yeah. something yeah is, is in the adult category
0: so i yeah. see i see now with this little something quickly when you guys were all <laughs> in this adult category or even in the home was there any sort of rivalry during the brother-sister relationship <laughs> was there any kind of like you know in a final of the world championship? because a lot of coaches or a lot of people like to be in the zone when they're in the competition and they block yeah. out everything and everyone Tell me, is there any situations like this in the past?
1: I think um, in reference, if I take my myself in my case, I think, yeah, I think luckily or unluckily or whatever it was, I think that we were that much further ahead um, mm-hmm. at that time. We've never really had that, let's say, that competition where my brothers have almost been close to beating me or something. It's always been rounds that have been different. So in reference to myself, I think I can kind of take that out but earl and errol have had very different careers in reference to changing partners and finding the right partners and you know doing these different things so there have been a few times where you know errol has beaten earl or something like that the younger brother beating mm, the older and, and you know it, it i I, I wouldn't say we've always been good. There's never been arguments or big things like that, but sometimes it's, oh, okay. we've been aware, you know, my, my mother has been aware that, you know, we didn't celebrate too much and didn't talk uh, about it too much. You know, you're just aware that they, they might- A maybe good some hurt feelings, yeah. Finding a balance there. Sure. But honestly, I have to say that they're a, all of them. Uh, it's myself and it's, it's Earl who's dancing with a Ukrainian partner and and then errol veronica, is, yes. yeah and and errol is actually dancing with the, my younger sister amy so
2: mm-hmm.
1: in this way you know you have the two siblings dancing together so they're of course on the same team so it's quite easy and then you have her mm-hmm. own veronica as well that and and there's never really been any any big issues with that so i think we're really lucky we're also a very close family so so i good, think good,
0: good, 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 the good.
1: foundation was already built before we started let's say before
0: program. prior of course yeah. of course yeah. we we had the pleasure on school dance board of hosting both uh earl and veronica and Errol and uh, Ver- uh amy, amy just the other the other month and we discussed actually a bit of the family bond and and uh, carolyn smith had also joined us and the uh, had uh, and veronica as well they were all very Seemed very close with Carolyn, and it was it was a very fun interview with all of them. It, it was a group interview, and everyone was great. There. But uh, that, that's great. That's that's really fun to hear. Uh, I, as a as an Italian, I'm kind of a fake Italian, but that's another story for the another day. <laughs> but being right, now, because I was born in Russia, right? But then I was adopted by Italians, so I'm ah. culturally Italian. Italian. So I Have to be politically <laughs> correct nowadays, right? Okay. So culturally <laughs> Italian, I'm like a family man. I'm blah blah blah. So I'm it's. It's nice to hear that there are top professionals and amateurs, I guess, to be correct, top uh, in the industry that also have the same values, the same morals when it comes to family, brother, sister, mother, father. And and we have these values because at the end of the day, I think it's uh, whether it's ten times world champion or European champion, when the younger generation looks at these top guys, okay, they have a medal. But it's also nice to see that they have the same values as them because maybe a younger child can't relate to being a world champion, but they can relate to having a big family in the same sport, or they can relate to having brothers and sisters in the same morals. So that that's, that's amazing. That's really nice. As the older sibling, uh, you have natural leadership abilities, okay? Uh, where else would you like to spread your leadership abilities? Now, of course, as the older siblings, we have to watch out for our siblings. We have to watch out for the younger ones. We have to take care of this. We have to take care of that. So already, uh, you're a very good multitasker. So tell me, where would you like to spread your abilities as a leader?
1: Well, that's a very big question where I would like to and where I've done so far. Um, I've also mm-hmm. had the position um, or the privilege of serving serving the WDSF uh, on an international level as the Athletes Commission uh, representative and chair um, for all of I the assume. athletes, representing the athletes all over the world. Um, and this, actually, this position... I've, I've been in the Athletes Commission for 11 years and I was chair actually for approximately eight um, mm. years. And that also gave me uh, sitting rights in reference to being on all presidium meetings and in, in the International Federation and also taking care of all of the sport accord meetings and on the sports commission meetings and together with the PD, the professional division that was also there. So I think a lot of um, roles, let's say in leadership and different things like that, I've, I've also put myself out in and i've learned mm-hmm. a crazy amount from my lot. predecessors or the people that i'm working together with as well um so that's for sure something that i've really enjoyed i've been able to mm-hmm. to participate in I, I was part of the the team that went to the youth olympic games which was the first time that we actually mm-hmm. featured breaking in buenos aires in argentina and i've been mm-hmm. a part of as i said before the sports convention sport accord which is the biggest sports convention all over the world in reference to all of the sports getting together um and participating a lot of meetings together with the ioc and things like that so i've really enjoyed my time um doing that and for sure i see myself in in some type of role like that in the future Mm -hmm. as well because i really love dance sport and i i enjoy those types of People call it sure, the, you love the, the, the political thing back. behind the scenes. But I guess you could also also call it the, kind of the backstage things that happen. Um, and right, you know, right. the, the rules and bettering the situation and the conditions for the athletes, I think always has been interesting. And I've always had the feeling, you know, somebody has to do it. We have to make sure that, that we're moving forward. If we're not moving forward, then we're standing still. And if you're standing still, you're going backwards. So, you know, it's either of course. Or I see. There's nothing else. <laughs>
0: Right, you have this need and passion to bring back to the community, bring back to the younger generation so that they can move forward without any political blah blah blah, slalah, mama, mama, blah so they can have a clear path with no questions questionable. That's very nice. It's very nice to have those kinds of leaders in our federation within the community to to know that they care. And especially it's nice to have the kind of leadership leader. The leadership with a track record, right? With you being 10 times world champion, there's no question mm-hmm. to whether you're, right, you're the right person or not because you've lived what you're trying to make better for. for that the next generation. So yeah. Exactly, which for me in relationship to someone who's not a 10 times world champion, it's question. If you don't have any titles or if you don't have a track mm-hmm. uh, of which have you had a career in the dance sport? Do you know anything about it? Well, this is what I, it's very nice to uh, for the followers to know that their leaders have been exactly where the followers have been. It's a very it's very nice and uh, gives hope a feeling of hope to the followers. Tell me from the way beginning of the partnership, how did you and Bjorn meet?
1: Yes, well, um, of course we, we met in the same way. I think all partnerships start by having a tryout. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the first thing that we do within dance board is you you kind of try it out in the way that you want to try the dancing first. You speak about the different things. But our, let's say, partnership is, is uh, let's say, a lot more common now today that you actually move to a different place, a different country mm-hmm. to be able to dance with another partner. Sure. But at the time that I actually moved to Denmark, which uh, was actually when I was 16 years old and Bjorn was 17. Um, It was not that common that you moved. And I moved from Perth, Western Australia, to Denmark, Europe, which was a a lot of kilometers between. A big jump. A lot of kilometers, a lot of miles. So it it was a big decision to actually do. But I really wanted to be one of the best dancers in the world. I think at that time, at the age of 16, sometimes it's difficult to actually think that becoming world champion is a reality. I, of course, I always Mm -hmm. had that dream, you know, I want to be world champion, but sometimes it seems a bit far. I was still going out in the first and the second round. So, (laughs) you know, even though you you want to be world champion, it's like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to make this? Because I have a long way to go.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right.
1: It was about getting better. And I just really, really want to do everything that I possibly could to do it. So I decided to, we set up a tryout together. Of course, we did a lot of the, the first part of communicating over email and and over the phone, talking to each other about ambition level and how much he normally practiced, mm-hmm. and about uh, teachers and coaches and who would we use and what type of competitions did we want to do, what country would we represent, where would we live, you know, all of the practical things that you kind of want to make sure of also before you travel from Australia to Denmark to have a tryout. So. Once mm-hmm. all of that seemed to fit pretty well, then I set up a tryout um, with him in Denmark. And then I thought, okay, if it doesn't work with him, I have to have some others. So I also set up a tryout in Italy. I had another tryout in Spain at the same time.
0: Espana! <laughs>
1: like going all over. <laughs> and um, I, I ended up going to Denmark first. And that was back in actually 2002. So it's 20 oh, wow. years ago. Yeah. Um, was the... And then so... I, I went to Denmark for the tryout. And it. Actually the feeling I have to say in the beginning was not great at all. Our tryout was, was oh not, my. I have to say not good in the way that I was used to having a partner that was a little bit shorter and he was used to, mm. used to having a partner that was a bit taller. So everything was a little bit uncomfortable. Like it, we, it see, was like not quite works. fitting, especially so, yeah. in standard. It felt, um, yeah, it just, it didn't feel like it, it felt, it off. yeah, it didn't feel like it mm-hmm. clicked right. But then we we saw the video afterwards and it actually looked really good. And we were, the person that was running the tryout was Boloft Jensen um, here from Denmark, who's also a former world champion in 10dance. And, and he said, guys, it actually looks good. Like it, it looks like there's potential. And and mm-hmm. so we decided after the first tryout that we'd try for a few weeks. So I, I canceled the other tryouts that I had, um, you know, the following weeks. And I decided to stay in Denmark for four weeks so that we kind of had a, a longer period trial where we could actually see okay how would it work and and everything and then after those four weeks then we decided to to start together and, and give it a shot
0: so i see mm-hmm. yeah Cool, cool, cool. That sounds, that sounds swell. So w- when you in- initially had moved to Denmark, did you have any expectations for Denmark? What were you thinking? W- what were you expecting from Bjorn on the plane? What were you thinking? Did you previously Honestly, know him and his career? Say,
1: I had no idea. I, everyone who lives in Europe, I think they have a little bit of an idea where Denmark is. And especially now with within mm-hmm. the dancing, once you're you're kind of a, a little bit more knowledgeable on the european scene that you know where denmark is and what it is and different things like that but coming from australia mm-hmm. denmark it was such a small country and everything i had no idea what i was going into at all whatsoever I what so i see. actually had no expectations which i think was okay, okay in the way that when you when you don't have too high expectations then it you know you also don't get disappointed in the way that
0: right you know, the way it was as when bad I think as that
1: i experienced and everything I kind of read up on is that Denmark was actually used to having champions, you know, throughout the years, which is actually true mm-hmm. for the amount of people that they have living in Denmark. There's only six million people. And at least every 10 years, they normally have a new world champion, which is like crazy. If you think about the the small amount mm-hmm. of population that they actually have and everything. So it's still a, it's a really good dancing um. Company, a dancing scene. Like, yes, yeah, scene mm-hmm. and and the federation is behind you and they have a lot of different activities and different things and ways of supporting their dancers up along the way which right, is Right,
0: team Denmark, right. correct? Is yes, this what it's called? Team Denmark, team Denmark I yeah. see yeah.
2: And they, I, they I, really I did multiple
0: Yes, I did multiple interviews with with some members of the Team Denmark or with the, your siblings as mm-hmm. well as uh Emmanuel Valeri, Pasquale Farina. Yeah. And they spoke quite highly of the federation so it seems like a, a quite successful federation yeah but uh, but let's discuss successful partnerships right so yes. once you begin accumulating and decorating your career with all these world championship titles european titles grand slam tell me after these years what makes a partnership successful now whether it's one thing or components what would you say, whether it's therapy, psychiatrist, open communication, all these different things, what would you say is key? Of course,
1: it's it's never any one thing. Um, but I also have to say in the beginning, you know, we, we danced together for eight years without having any form of titles in any way. So it's going out in first round. The first three years we danced together at that time, uh, WDSF and and let's say the, the WDC or the England scene was still together. So we were dancing also Blackpool. And, the
2: and
1: and things like that. And in all of those big competitions, we were going out in first round. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's really important to remember that everyone starts somewhere. This is number one, that you shouldn't get discouraged when you, when you have this. You know, everyone's gone out in the first round, even myself, 10 times world champion. And when people talk, You know, talk about us now in our career. What they look at is they look at 10 competitions. But if you actually go on the WDSF website or if you go on, uh, you know, danceportinfo.net, look at how many competitions we've done through our career and how many competitions we've lost or come Mm -hmm. second or come fifth or come 19th or 25th or 176th or something like that. And then we did a lecture one time where we also looked at that, where what I could find at least. We've, we've done over 500 competitions throughout our career together. And wow. if you look at, you know, we've done 500 competitions, but the only ones that people talk about are the 10 that we've won, you know? So like a, very 10 successful, World a very successful partnership, you need to remember that these down results that you have along the way, these are not something that sticks with you. It's not something people remember. People don't remember the year when we were at the mm-hmm. German Open, the year before we were in the final, and then we came to German Open one year, and we were 14th, we were outside the semifinal. We were devastated, crushed, you know, everything. And then you have to go back home and you have to pick yourself up again and you have to keep going. So this is a little bit with, you know, kind of the ups and downs. It's not so much in reference to the partnership. But I have to say in reference to the partnership, it's number one is communication. And when I say communication, it's about making sure that you don't bottle things up, that it's much better to take the communication and not necessarily exactly at the time where the problem happens. Very often, that's what people try and do is in the middle of a practice, they're really upset about something or they feel something or people speak in the wrong way because adrenaline's going and you really want the best for your practice. And then they try Mm -hmm. and take that discussion at that time. What we learned was you always need to be in a neutral state in order to have a, a proper conversation and discussion about something. Otherwise, you automatically go into defense mode and when you go into defense mode you actually don't listen and you're not willing to change anything because you're always just defending Mm -hmm. the reason why you acted the way you acted.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I think one of the biggest things that we did early on in our career and you know now we've been together 20 years and I can't imagine, you know, not and Bjorn and I are are together, even though we've been together 20 years, we've been together together like 24 seven for 20 years. Mm and And so this is almost like a 40 year relationship. so how do you you know make it work compared to normal people that have normal jobs on the side and then meet in the evening or something that's right. like that? and And it has to do with the fact that you're you're aware that the other person is different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Our sports psychologists we at, at some point in our career actually we had more let's say mental trainers than we had mm-hmm. technical trainers. And and you know sometimes when we've said this in in lectures and different things like that, people are like oh, oh you know. And I always say no, it's not because there was something wrong with us. It's just because we realized that that when that was working, when our communication was working, and all these other things were working, then all of a sudden the dance everything
0: else then the dancing
1: worked ten times better. You would get so much more out of practice. So then your technical, let's say, improvement improved. I, I would almost say sixty to eighty percent more, mm-hmm. because the communication that you felt was always on the same page, and you were always working towards the same goal. One of the things that that we learned as well, you know, our sports psychologist, he said, "Can you imagine a football team all having, you know, eleven goalies? Would they ever win any any championships?" And of course, the answer is no. You can't have eleven goalies on a football team. You have to have people on defense. Mm-hmm. You have to have people on on the attack you have to have a goalie you have to have the different and he said you need to look at your partnership in this way you're two people that are completely different i have different ways of going about it but what you have is you have the goal at the end which is you want to win the competition so it doesn't matter how you get there and who's right and often it was you know it's about this when you're when you're really competitive and you want to go for winning uh often you become also competitive within the partnership to try and my way's best you know i i know mm-hmm. it's gonna work so just do it my way i know
0: what's um, best for the couple um
1: mm-hmm. and sometimes figuring out that okay maybe my way so often what we had we had the rule like every idea for 15 minutes we were never allowed to and this were these were our own rules so i'm not giving you rules that somebody else made us do um mm-hmm. we were never allowed to say no so if you're said I, I think we should do it like this i would say okay okay let's try it mm-hmm. And then we would try it, and it doesn't literally have to be for 15 minutes, but it's just that idea in your head that you have to give it a try, you have to do whatever you can to see if it works. And if I still didn't feel that it was good afterwards, but he was totally convinced that it was, then we would film it, and we would film it my way, and we would film it his way. And in the end, Mm -hmm. we both know that we want it to be best. And then you can look at yourself. You can see, okay, I can actually see that you're always best. Let's do it with that. Or he would also be, so getting rid of this thing with being stupid, stubborn, and always wanting to win. Understanding that you're different and going with that. And understanding that that's how you're actually going to win the competition. You're not going to win the competition by both being the same. Because you you can't, you know, you need the diversity. You need somebody, a person who's more structured and more technical and everything on the one side. And somebody who's more creative and more musical and more, On the other side, because the balance of that all of a sudden makes you a champion, you know, and often we get really Mm -hmm. upset because why can't you just be more structured? We need to do like this and this and this and then it's much easier. And the other one's like, no,
2: you're losing the flair of what we need to do. And,
1: you know, but if you if you actually allow yourselves to mix them and say, okay, this practice today, it's yours. Let's just dance. Let's see what we feel. Let's do. And then tomorrow, let's go back to our technique, back to the rumble walks, back to figuring out exactly what we're doing and, and what order and coordination we should be doing it in. And the
2: combination of you know, that is, is the key. Excuse
0: me. I'm, I'm very glad you mentioned that because as you were speaking, it reminded me 100% of my dance partner. I love her to death. She's amazing. <laughs> she, okay, so, you know, as I mentioned previously, whether it was in this interview or the Scalora interview, I was culturally raised Italian, whatever. I'm in Italy right now. So I'm a pretty fun guy. But as you know, Sicilian men can be quite stubborn sometimes. Yes. Uh but anyways, I love being actually my what my coach Vladimir Karpov is, is always calling me an artist because yeah. I get too creative and then I change the choreography and change yeah. the counts. Yeah. But yeah, but my partner, she's Bulgarian, so disciplined, very yeah. structured. So yeah. when we first began dancing together two years ago, me being Mr. Ah, oh, whatever, we can <laughs> do it, and her being everything note-taking, it was quite difficult for us yeah. to match. But now I know exactly how to speak to her. She knows exactly how to yeah. speak to me, Maddie, If you're watching, shout out to you. I love you. You're the best. <laughs> um, so now we have an amazing partnership. We I travel the the world with her. We go to we went yeah. to Israel, Romania, Los Angeles, and I'll agree with you. The main thing for my awesome and beautiful dance partner is the communication. When we fix that communication, bam, yeah. we have the best partnership in the world. Because
2: yeah,
0: I would. Never changed my partner for anyone, never. She is yeah. just the best. And I have amazing communication with her. We have, in our practices, honestly, I'm gonna take a little bit of professionalism out. We can loose and have a little bit. Of- <laughs> our practices, you could film our practices and they could go on Comedy Central because that's how funny yeah. they are. Because they're fun. So if yeah. somebody recorded them, we have yeah. all the fun in the world. When it's yeah. just us two in the studio and we play the music at full volume and we just have fun yeah. and enjoy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Let's move on to our last. If we look at a lot of the top couples nowadays, whether it's Cristina and Marius, Gabriela and Anna, Dimitri and Olga, all of their partnerships have lasted over 10 years currently to this day. So many of the English have subscribed to the idea of you must be together for 10 years to have a truly successful partnership. Do you agree with this statement? Uh,
1: In principle, yes. In principle, Mm -hmm. yes. I I would say there's no shortcut. To success and I think that's mm-hmm. within anything um, now when when you say like within dance board we have the partnership but if you were to say business mm-hmm. or something like that I think it's also the same it's gonna take you 10 years in your company to become really successful at what you're doing and I think it, it has to do with the fact that you have to learn as you also said before now I know how to speak to my partner she knows how to speak to me you know what button to press if you want to piss her off mm-hmm. you know what button to press <laughs> If you can feel she's stressed at a competition, you feel, okay, I need to do something now to to regulate her, her uh, let's say, um, tension emotions, thoughts, something like this to be able to make sure that we have a good day today. You know what you need to say so that she feels like a queen going on the floor and you know what to say in order to make her feel like a vagabond. You know, so it's it's having these um, this communication and this connection and this chemistry with your partner, whether you're together personally, privately or not it makes no difference. Mm-hmm. So I think having a partnership for three years, I know it's some couples have gone in and done it. Um, maybe you can also take Marius and Christina, actually, as, as a good example of this. these two couples, because Christina was actually three times world champion with Nino before she then mm-hmm. swapped Marius. And Marius was also in the final, you know, in the top three together with Nina before they started dancing together. So now they've been together, I don't know, maybe three years, four years, something like that. And it's, a very successful mm-hmm. partnership but they were also together privately i think for two years before they started i'm not quite sure their you know relationship and everything but i i think it's something longevity in a partnership is required in order to be successful and i i truly believe uh, but this is also what i believe morally as well also in relationships outside dancing that mm-hmm the grass is not greener on the other side and that we all have mistakes and we all have problems. And by, by thinking that you can change it out and then get somebody who's better or are doing this, I, in my opinion, I don't think this is a solution. So, you know, Bjorn and I have also been together privately for 20 years, even though the agreement was we were not going to date and it was strictly business. And I had a talk with his mother at the age of 16. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. I was like, just so you know, I'm here to dance and if your son wants to be together with me, it's not going to happen. And I was very clear, but that lasted three months. So, yeah, <laughs> three yeah. months. Yeah. So oh I, I, well, I, I guess. guess. As I thought, I as I thought, I was and as, But you know, it's... love
0: at three months, yeah, not at I first mean, sight.
1: I do not even say it, but. you know, love and that type of thing. But it's it's about this this common respect for each other, and I think within the dancing. For me, it's always been along the way, you know, when people came in and they were like, you realize you could get a much better partner in, in Latin or you realize that you could get a much better this or that. Or And I've had a lot of offers from, from boys that were of a higher level result wise than what we were at the time, where I think often girls jump for that or guys jump for that, where it's like, whoa, that's a, that's a quick way to to jump 20 places, you know, on the ranking. This person's Mm -hmm. coming from semi-final. I'm in the bottom of the 24. If we go together, we have a possibility in top semi-final. Then I can be in the final soon. And but they don't think it through, kind of to the end. What have you been through so far with your partner? What have you figured out? What have you got? What have you already come with solutions in reference to to what it needs to be for the future? So in my opinion, um, this thing, the idea of you know changing your partner like you change your underwear and and it it, that's not
0: doesn't go long
1: and and i think you know Mm -hmm. if you say 10 years i understand it's a long time it's like oh my gosh 10 years but i think it's about saying that you need to find a partner for for longevity you know you need to find a Mm -hmm. partner for the long haul somebody who you can be friends with have good chemistry with have fun with and and learn you know the ups and downs so that you're able to experience things together because this is you know this is what the amazing part of the journey is it's not in the end, you want to stand with the title. Yes, you do. I'm crazy mm-hmm. proud of the titles we won and everything. But I wouldn't trade those, you know, the Those process, memories the and all the fun practices and the, the
0: training title. camps.
1: You, you, I see.
0: It, it's priceless.
1: It's priceless. It's really priceless. It's the experiences you have along the way that are priceless. Even the the bad ones, you know. Mm-hmm. I think we never improved as much as we we ever did uh, until we got really bad results because you really go home and and look at yourself and it's like okay what what am i doing this for who am i doing it for do i still want to do this you know and then you find Mm -hmm. the inner love for dancing yourself again and say yeah i want to do this and i'm not going to let those 12 people with a pen standing around the floor decide my mood today so i'm going to get up i'm going to be happy i'm going to be positive And I'm going to keep on moving because, you know, life is not over just because they decided yesterday that I shouldn't have the result that that I felt I deserved felt I danced. So, yeah, it's about that.
0: Yeah, of course, I agree. Having the ability uh, to know a person, to get to know a person on a level. That's why on a level of the dance board industry, that's why I will never, I don't believe that an average person will never and truly understand what it's like to get to know someone and work with them every single because even an average non-dancer, like a married couple, they wake up, go to work, see mm-hmm. each other at night. So they're apart for approximately eight to ten hours. If you're with uh, if you're married with your dance partner or someone like that, you're going to see them every hour and every day, mm-hmm. every second. So getting, spending that amount of time with your significant other and getting to, it's, and you have a good relationship. Yeah. I think that's the most <laughs> beautiful yeah. thing no, in No, I, I agree. I agree. Yes. So let's get ready for my surprise guest all right yes for you all right now my surprise guest as you know i am american before i am anything else okay <laughs> i was born in russia love my russians okay i'm culturally italian Viva l'Italia. but i am usa and one day i pray i'm gonna work to earn the title that our surprise guest has. I think by now you know who I am speaking of. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the USA Dance Federation, President Ken Richards. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Hello, sir. How surprise.
3: are you? Surprise. Surprise. I
0: can't see you. How are you, sir? You,
3: you can't see me. No.
1: Uh-oh. Can I see the video? How do I do that?
3: Do you know? Here we go. And
0: I, Let's see.
3: And I'm wearing my Ashley mask.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no <laughs> is it There you go how is it now oh, i just turned myself off that was not right
0: are you on I'm the there. iphone or on the computer
1: i'm on the ipad
0: on the ipad oh, there all he right is. we will there ed- he is, there he is. He is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay start again hello, hello.
0: surprise surprise, <laughs> surprise! <Come on.
2: laughs>
0: yes what, no, a, I what brought-
3: a what a great interview i've really been enjoying hearing all of these things Thank I mean, you. I've known Ashley since she was three. No, I have not. But uh, this is, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the, well, the first time that we met was probably, uh, uh, I mean, when she stepped up into a position on the WDSF Athletes Commission, where she moved from being the uh, secretary uh, or second person with, um, with, with that position, uh, with Zorn. And she made an amazing presentation, and it was probably 2013, but I could be wrong on the year. I, I don't think know. You're about right. But um, it was it was great, and uh, well, there we are together at one of the oh. one of the uh, WDSF events. And I always try to stay close to Ashley because, first of all, notice who's wearing color. Yeah. Ah, there it is. Right. Yes. Exactly. So you know, Ashley uh, understood the the meaning of standing out in a crowd uh, <laughs> like a true champion. And um, yes, I think the next slide is the actual first time I saw her present and I uh, snapped this picture and I thought, wow, this dancer knows what she's talking about. She's going places. She knows how to represent the athletes. And it wasn't long after that, I think that um, uh, there was some shuffle in the in the positions and uh, Zorn had stepped down from that and she moved up into the uh, president's position uh, and supported by the athletes ever since. And it was kind of fun. I shared this picture with, um, Alessandro and he immediately wanted to know what happened to some of those things. There we are having a good time in Spain, I think probably at one yes. of the dinners yeah. and, uh, yes. yeah. And, uh, and again, I always try to stay close to Ashley because she made me look good. So, uh,
1: <laughs> so much, <Ken. laughs> right back at you. <laughs> no, I yeah. think we always hit yeah. it off from the very beginning of right. We've been at so many meetings together and, have a lot of the same points of view because we just want dance sport to flourish thir- and and grow and 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 do the best for the for the dancers and you know for the organization in itself for the not only the athletes but the organizers and the judges and the everything so that we are all having great lives. So yeah, no, I really appreciate your your work. You've been president on and off for I think thirty years or something. It's, it's just crazy.
3: <laughs> Feels like
2: it, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, but it's, you know, it's with, it's only with people like yourself that actually take these positions, which are voluntary positions where you, you don't get paid for and you do a ton of work and people don't really say thank you afterwards. They, they complain about the things you forgot to do, or you could have done better. So it's, um, I'll stand and I'll say thank you very much on behalf of the athletes.
3: Well, you're welcome. Thank you. I'm I'm, I'm pleased to do it. But uh, this is all about you. So, what else can we do that uh, we can surprise <laughs> Ashley with?
0: I don't know. We need. Now, Denver, we need to you, bring you've, her... you've
3: lost control of this interview. Go ahead.
0: That's right. I'm enjoying, but I, I so, sir, <laughs> I think we need to bring her to the states. We need to bring her back to her homeland very soon. What do you think, sir? I think, I think
3: great that's great. Idea. Actually. Um, I think that was the last time that we reconnected face to face when she was at our national championships in Utah, yeah. uh, cheering, cheering on her brother at the yeah. time. And, 18, uh, 18,
1: yeah? 18 or 19.
3: Yeah. yeah. When whatever that was. Oh. And, uh, she, oh, wow. she came here and it was, it was great to see her at that time. But of course then, uh, um, COVID has kept all of us away from, um, from face to oh. face meetings, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah looking forward to uh yeah, to connecting sure. with her again for
1: sure
0: for sure and
1: hopefully, the work hopefully. she does for
0: dance yes.
3: will do yeah. will do
0: well sir thank you so much for dropping by i do appreciate you stopping by and helping us with making this an interview a lot more crazy and fun so thank you so much sir thanks Ken. you're welcome take care good to see you again Ashley. thank
1: you yeah thanks so much we'll stay in touch
0: all right you bet okay now we mentioned uh you practicing your leadership skills but now i'd love to discuss your training skills Tell me, how did you balance a 10 dance career? There's a lot of 10 dance couples that are as successful, like uh, yourself, uh, I can mention Luca Busoletti, two times world champion within the 10 dance division. Uh, my Canadian friends, Antonetta Popova and Anton Beliaev, yeah. 10 dance world champions. Tell me, what did your training consist of as a 10, dance, as a ten dancer?
1: I think um, for sure for us, and I, and I don't know if I can speak the same for the others. Okay, I think maybe Anton and Antoinetta, uh, also at least that was the impression that I got. We traveled a lot with them as well to different competitions and things like that. But in order to be a, a, a great 10 dancer, um, you really have to prioritize both the standard and the Latin. Like, And I would have to say all of your career. Even at the time where we decided after we had become four times world champion in 10 dance um, in amateur, and and we decided that we wanted to, to, let's say, focus on the standard part of it, we still practiced Latin. Mm-hmm. We didn't go because we had I the see. dream that one day when we wanted to, if we wanted to turn professional or whatever our career was going to happen, we wanted to make sure we kept that door open. So we were actually mm-hmm. still... Um, you know able to dance Latin because of course it doesn't make sense that you stop practicing for three years and then you think you can go back and do it then it's just an embarrassment for yourself um, and right. sometimes I feel with couples that, that try and do ten dances they focus completely on one style and then they think oh we can just do a little bit to make it look okay and there we can get a, a decent result in ten dance um, in my right. opinion in my opinion ten dance is a style for itself like it's, you have standard, mm-hmm. you have Latin, and you have dance. It's not, when people say I specialize in standard or, or specialize in Latin, I say I specialize in tendance. Like it's, it's something that's, I don't see it as if it's uh, just standard and Latin combined because it's different things that you're also working on at the same time. But it has to be the love for practicing both styles. And you also have to prioritize that throughout your career, both styles all the time of course if we had a european championship in standards um coming up then we might do the last three weeks up to the europeans in standard we might do something like 60 40 or Mm -hmm. 65 35 or lowest we would do is 70 30. a good balance yeah in reference to the balance Mm -hmm. And, and the same would happen we also represented in the latin in europeans and worlds a few times as well and we would do the same for that as well but As a general thing, often what I feel Mm -hmm. is I feel that some 10 dancers, they feel better Mm -hmm. in one style and therefore they practice a lot more in that style. And therefore in Mm -hmm. the end, they they end up stopping 10 dance because it's no longer fun. We, we know how it is, you know, we don't feel improvement in a style for a long period of time. It also gets a bit boring and it gets a bit, you know, you start looking for problems and that's where all the arguments happen and the discussions together with your partner and things like that. So for Bjorn and I, it was, I was really happy throughout all our career that we had the standard and the Latin because every time the standard got mm-hmm. boring, the Latin was exciting. And when this Latin got boring, the standard was exciting. So we kind of always used it to balance the the fun of what we were doing at the same time.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So I would recommend uh, that,
1: that actually as you've written it, how did you balance? It was exactly that. We balanced it. We made mm-hmm. sure that we did equal, that it was not 90-10 you know, or something like that
0: sure 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 of course that makes that makes that makes no, sense it another mean, benefit of doing attendance right is also financially beneficial correct? because you then you have the aspect of teaching the latin and the uh, standard
1: but then i would say in the opposite way then you're throughout all your career you have double the expenses <laughs> so i'm not sure in the end i'm not sure in the end that after the
0: 10 times world yeah, championship then yes, it's beneficial
1: then it's, then it's nice. <laughs> Yeah. No, but it's true. You know, I, but I also love that as well. I, I love the fact that when we're teaching, you know, I teach just as much Latin, if not more Latin than I do standard. And so it's mm-hmm. it kind of has to do with and we have great couples, both in standard and in Latin and, and, and in tendance for that. Um, I see. Yeah. So I honestly I think it's it's great. But it, it, it's also because that's kind of that was a path that we chose many years ago that we decided, no, we really want to be good in both. And I think also mm-hmm. that's, or not I think, I'm I'm sure that's why also we were as successful as what we were with the four titles in the amateur, which nobody had done before, and the three titles in the pro, which nobody had done before. So, you know, it's some of those things because the years of practice, practicing both styles, you know, it catches up to you. The other couples have difficulties gaining all of those hours of practice. When you've gone through those thousands of hours of practice, it's Mm -hmm. It's difficult for somebody uh, over two years to think, okay, now we can do it, you know? So it's it's something that takes time, yeah.
0: Of course, of course. Now, if we discuss a little bit about athletes in general, and uh, we discuss maybe a dark time in your career, tell me. Now, of course we know all athletes have their low points. I think everyone, whether athlete or not, everybody has low points. Tell me, at your lowest point, whether that was during career, professional, how did you continue to push and fight for the decorated career that you have today? What kept you going to be able to, to be able to do this interview with Scalora Densport? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a
1: really good question as well, because exactly as you said, we all have these, let's say, these low points. And and it's through life. You have it through life as well. Sometimes you just get kicked down and you think, I thought I was just getting myself on top. And then all of a sudden something happens maybe financially or health wise in the family or something like that where you just feel like you just get mm-hmm. winded again and it's like why and what did I do wrong and what should I do different and you know these different things. Um I think it's as a as a general thing we believe very much in uh we call it mind doping. <laughs> you know it, it's Ooh. like um
0: it's okay safe sport don't taking... worry safe sport we're okay <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: it's it's taking <laughs> taking your mental state like really seriously in a way that you know when you have these results we have a ton of morning motivation motivational uh um, speeches and you know these small things actually that you can get on youtube and you can just uh, join in and you can and we have some that are just absolutely fantastic and you put them on in the morning as soon as you wake up when you're ready to get in the shower and by the time you get out of the shower you're ready for the day and you've forgotten about the fact that what happened yesterday and you remember that it's about getting up more times. It's just getting up one more time than you fell down. You know, that, that's the key to it. And there are a lot of these. We had one time, um, we had been winning everything in Denmark in the amateur in, in 10 dance. Um, we had also another very good couple behind us, but they had never beaten us and, and never been close to beating us. And we were the ones who represented the worlds and Europeans and, you know, all these things.
2: And then we come to a Danish
1: championship and we lost the Danish championship and we lost it like big time, like nine dances. We lost nine dances and only won one dance. And we were, we knew we didn't have the best preparation, but we were like in shock and we were thinking what is going on and you know, all these different things. We went into the studio the next day and somebody who was actually practicing for Dancing with the Stars was in the studio as well. Like one of the celebrities and he was a Speedway driver. His name is Ole Olsen. He's also a, a Danish person. And he's eight times a world champion in Speedway, which is like a huge decorated career. And he could see that we were upset. And he was like, what's what's wrong with both of you? You know what? You look pretty down. And we were like, we just had the Danish championship this Saturday and we lost like for the first time. So we're, we're just a bit, we don't really know what we're doing and where we're going. And, and he said, you know what? You have to get used to that. And I was like, what? Get used to that. He said, I have represented at 22 different world championships and only won eight of them. So you lose more than you win. So get used to that and move on and go on to the next one. And, you know, it's it's different comments like that along the way where it puts things in perspective where it's kind of like – I guess it know, does, yeah. He, he gets it. He got that thing that, yeah, you're really upset, but get used to the fact that you're going to have these these down things and it's just a matter of that was Saturday. Now it's Sunday. Get back up on the horse keep riding because you know and and sometimes also our sports psychologist also asked I was like what's going to happen when we went for the the fourth time going for world champion you know nobody had done it before and there were a lot of people that saying oh you shouldn't do it you shouldn't try because if you try and you fail then it's just you know it's only downhill and different things like that Mm -hmm. and you know and before that we were also thinking to ourselves yeah but if we don't try you know then you don't know whether you actually right right or you you didn't for you the know.
0: Michael Scott fans. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take.
1: Correct, exactly, exactly. And so it's it's those types of things that I think along the way you have a lot of small things that people say to you, you know, quotes and and honestly, I have to say this thing with mind doping in in the way that you make sure that you only fill yourself with positive. You know, it's called PMA, positive mental attitude. You know, it's it's about, and mm-hmm. it's not about making everything. Oh, everything's so wonderful all the time and the, the flowers are always growing. And that's not realistic. Yeah, you can still look at things and say, okay, that was shit, you know, and I really feel bad mm-hmm. about it. Um, what can
0: I do to fix it?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but our sports psychologist, he told us before that fourth world championship, he said, what's gonna happen Sunday morning if you wake up and you you've come second? What's mm-hmm. like that that's the worst case that can happen. You wake up and you come second. We were like, Yeah, we'd be so upset and you know it's difficult and but he said, Are you gonna are you gonna kill yourself? You know, are you gonna cut your wrists? Are you gonna and said, Of course not. So so really life goes on. So it's mm-hmm. it's just another competition. And of course sure. you get over the, the disappointment again after, after yeah, after some some weeks or something like that. So the worst that can happen is you're disappointed. The best that can happen is you tried, you did everything you could and you won it, you know. So it's Mm -hmm. sometimes it's about that as well that you need to remember that it's just getting back up on the horse again. It's um, and, and it's different. You know, yesterday was yesterday and today's today you, you mm-hmm. can't taking
0: every day day by day and yeah. making everything a game I, that sounds a little childish but when you look at it more as a game with a game attitude you uh, when you play a board game when you lose you always just do another round so you just do I another this, round in um, life
1: kobe kobe bryant god bless um he said one thing as well he said you know i don't believe in failure it doesn't exist in my vocabulary and i um, and i was thinking like that i was thinking that's okay but it, it still is there you know and what and then right. he said, and then he said let me explain he said failure is only is is the only time when you don't get up again so he said for me failure only happens the day i die if i've if i've tried something the day before and it didn't work, and then I die the day after, okay, then I failed at that thing. But he said, as long as I'm still trying, I haven't failed because it's still work in progress. And I thought that was so True. clever, you know, to think that actually it's impossible for us to fail unless we're six feet under, you know, unless we're no unless longer we give able up. to try anymore, mm-hmm. it, then then it's, it's not a failure. Then it's just part of the process, you know, and then- I see. So it, so then it's it's something that's procedural and and it's something that you can work through and you can be better at and you can learn from and you can do these different things there's so really there are no failures in life in that way it's just a matter of you know it's a stepping stone and sometimes it's hard but it's it's part of life so
0: yeah, Yeah. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue my secretary because I'm going to bring my secretary in here for just a second. But what I've done recently is I'm really into reading psycho- psychology books, psychological book. And the first book I read is called QBQ, which stands for the question behind the question. And this book discussed, long story short, if you got a situation, you got two options. You're going to cry about it or you're going to do something about it and what this book taught me was instead of finding a way to blame others or blaming yourself because you yeah. don't have to blame yourself things may yeah. find a way to fix it say the phrase how can i fix this right so if i if i'm a ten dancer and i'm doing 90 10 well try to do 70 50 as you said 50 50 8 yeah. find a balance when there's a situation you either fix it or cry about it. Yeah. Granted, okay, life may not be so black and white like this. It, of course, maybe there are complicated situations, but at the end of the day, it's, I guess, the attitude, the game attitude that we have to, how we go about that situation. And then the second book I'm reading, which uh, Anna read it too, I'd love to get her thoughts on it in just a second. It's basically a book that discusses how, what is the title? How to win friends and become an influencer. Here's my secretary, Anna Najarian. How win Anna, friends can you discuss this book with us?
2: I think. Yeah. How to
0: win. Dale yeah. Carnegie. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Actually, I just wanted to say when you were talking about um failure and how that's that's never there's in no options. such thing as failure. I literally got goosebumps all over oh, because cool. that's something that like I also believe in a hundred percent. I think cool. um yeah, like failure is just basically how you define it. And, and if it it all depends on your definition and what what you kind of perceive that. And so, yeah, about the Dale Carnegie, Carnegie book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That book is one of the, actually one of the books that helped me the most in my life. Yep. Um, because it helped me realize that like, okay, like things can go wrong, but like, how do you recover from them? And, yep. and it's 100% true that if you choose to like lay down and not up, then that's, yeah, that's considered failure. But if you push yourself back up and you, have the will to keep on going then that's that makes a huge difference yeah
1: mm-hmm. have you read the, the book from napoleon hill the 17 success principles
0: uh no i'm gonna write this down,
1: write it down. <laughs> oh Yeah. Write it down it is brilliant yeah
0: napoleon i'm sorry what napoleon did you say hill. 16 seven
1: it's 17 princ- success principles
0: i might have heard 17. of Seventeen.
1: like we live by these principles it's like Gosh such an amazing idea for example the, the very first point that he has his pma is the positive mental attitude you know he says you can't have success with that, within anything in life and this is you know related to sport related to business related to your relationships um yeah uh, point nine is enthusiasm if you don't have enthusiasm for what you're actually doing some of the things he has point three is mastermind which is it, one plus one equals three. You need to find a team around mm-hmm. you. That, that, you know, <laughs> that's what our is, coach always says. And this is, you know, I, I would say also for Bjorn and myself, so often now when we have our, our discussions or our talks about what we want to do for the future and things like that, it's not my idea or his idea. It's the idea that came out of the two ideas put together, which became a third idea. Mm-hmm. And that's what you find mm-hmm. that you really, and that that's what you need to have within dance sport within your your team and when i say team it's like your your coach and if you Mm -hmm. have a sports psychologist and if you have a you know we had sports psychologists we had a physical trainer we had um, a dietitian you know things like that you have this these experts around you that are the best in their fields Mm -hmm. but in order Mm -hmm. to get it to work you need to make sure that they work together in a way that you create something that's more than just one 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 one. you know they need to be able to to feed off each other. And we felt then our, our dietitian, she was really good at talking to our physical trainer so that the physical trainer was able to make sure that they did the plan that fit with where we were going at that time. If we had to lose weight, then she made sure that the plan that she wasn't killing us. So we got injured and things like that. And one of the things I think looking back on our career that we were very good at was not getting injured. We, we didn't have to pull out of any competition at any point uh, that's not true. There was one competition in Germany, but I think pro- approximately 10 couples pulled out because they des- they decided to put some type of um, lacquer on the floor for the television to make cool. it shine. And it was so slippery and the oh, yeah. uh, actually fell and his knee went out. So we had to pull out of the competition. But like that's the only time ever we've never had to pull out of a comp because of injury or anything like that, because we've been really good at making mm-hmm. sure that that things work so read that book if you guys are into these um, type of personal development then oh my gosh
0: yeah 100% we're definitely going to leave a link in the bio for sure well, Ashley, let me thank you for hanging out with us this past hour. We've truly enjoyed all this information that you've given us. Uh, we love the fact that we're finally able to bring uh, an American with these titles here. <laughs> you know, the world knows you as Danish and OK, you've got you won the titles for Denmark, yes. but you are an American beauty at heart. OK, <laughs> so Ashley, you. thank you so much for spending some time with us. on Skalora Dance Danceport. Thank Have you. an amazing rest of the day.
2: Thank, thank you. you so much. All right.